2: We might have 17 games this season. It sounds like we're going to have 17 games in the NFL. Adam Schefter reported that it is expected to be finalized. Uh, you'd have no extra bye week. You'd have 17 NFL games in 18 weeks for all of the teams. Um, if you saw Alvin Kamara on Twitter, he's not a fan of it. Can't say what he tweeted, but uh, Alvin Kamara is not a fan of it. Uh, but the NFL looks like we're getting 17 games this year
0: yeah not not unexpected tv was always gonna win out in that sense and uh it will mean uh i read vinnie bonsignore last night i think it means khalil mack will be in the legion stadium at the end of the year or whatever the 17th game is played i mean i haven't seen their schedule yet but it will be chicago in las vegas uh i'm sure people will be excited to uh have storylines around that but uh i also think which it should by the way it should have you know before this comes with a reduced number of preseason games because those things are disasters for for the most part but <laughs> I, yeah I, I think this started way back when with jerry jones saying 18 a couple of years back so not surprised at all they got to 17. it was just worth too much money on the tv to do add these games and what they make a week on these games
2: I am extremely excited for the Raiders in the final week of the season to be eliminated from the playoffs, but they win their last game of the year to improve to 9-8, and, and John Gruden tells everyone how they were better
0: than they were last season. Oh, better than they were and still have added no secondary help.
2: <laughs> will they what if they go 9-8 and,
0: and have added no secondary help?
2: Will they have signed a free safety by no. the time Week 18 no. rolls around? <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. All right, the Dolphins made a couple of trades over the weekend involving their first-round picks. Uh, They moved out of number three. They ended up with the sixth overall pick. The 49ers moved up from 12 to 3, and the Eagles moved back from 6 to 12. That is for this year's first round. The Dolphins also got two future first-round picks from San Francisco, and the Dolphins have number 18 in this year's draft as well so the Dolphins move back add some picks but the 49ers seem pretty set on taking a quarterback now right
0: yeah um so is it Trey Lance is it Justin Fields who, who do you think they're enamored with because if it's Lawrence and Wilson to go one two and apparently uh after after Wilson threw a, a ball the other day they said no one's ever thrown in history although I don't believe that uh <laughs> my guess is that he'll go number two to the Jets so who do you think they're enamored with that they would move all up to three and not be able to get one of those top two? Well, so you you have to be enamored with at
2: least two quarterbacks if you're moving up to three, because if you're moving up to three, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence, no. and you're probably not getting Zach Wilson, although no. I don't think that's not not necessarily set in stone just yet. But you, if you're moving up to three, you have to love Zach Wilson and Justin Fields or Zach Wilson and Trey Lance or Mac Jones, whoever that quarterback is, you've got to love both of them because you don't really control who exactly is going to fall to you. Right. Um, but trading up to three, I mean it to me, it, it's strange to trade up to three. It's strange to trade up and give up two future first round picks to get to three because you're not even getting one of the two best projected quarterbacks in this draft. I like, guess unless hard you're in love with
0: someone over Wilson, right? Right. That's, yeah, I mean, I, right. I guess
2: if you're if you're sitting there saying, man, these guys are idiots. Zach Wilson's right. going to suck. Justin Fields right. is going to be awesome. Like, let's go to three and we can get him now or get him there. I guess. But even still, I mean, there's a chance that Fields goes at two and then you're yeah. stuck around looking, oh, crap. Whoa. Now we got to take Zach Wilson. So I – it's a lot. Um, I don't quite get it to move up to three. If you told me they were moving up to two, I would get that it. But sense. moving up to three, I to me, that's that's too big of a risk to get what's going to be the third best quarterback in this draft. And Jimmy Garoppolo's still on the team. Like you still got a quarterback you traded for a couple of years ago. Like, I, I don't know. To me, it, it seems like too big of a risk. Uh, but if you're in love with Justin Fields, I, I guess you go
0: for it well and they have two two things obviously miami's ready to build around Tua. i would think to make this deal that they've settled on tua but also when the packers did it and and drafted love to kind of be the next uh, pair, uh you know player behind rogers that was i think deep into the first round if you're moving up to three then jimmy garoppolo might be your quarterback now but it's not for long you're not gonna move all the way up to three and take the quarterback and that guy's not gonna be your guy pretty fast
2: yeah, like it can't be. And I I think so looking at it, when the Packers traded up, they went from 30th to 26th in the draft. Okay, 26. Yeah. And and all they gave up was a third-round pick with that. So, like they they like the 49ers gave up two future first-round picks. Like right, they right. they given two more first-round picks away to move up to 3. So, you're right. Like Jimmy Garopp, if you take a quarterback at 3, which they'd be stupid if they took anything besides a quarterback at 3. Jimmy Garoppolo can't be your quarterback for very long. Like, right, he just right. can't. Like, he's A, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that good. And B, you can't give up that much and not play the guy. On Miami, by the way, if two is, like, slightly above average, they're set up for great roster construction because they've got a rookie contract quarterback and a bunch, they've got two first-round picks this year. They're going to have two next year and the year after that. Like, yeah. they've got a bunch of first-round picks. Oh, if yeah. Is just, if two is just above average – yeah. Their roster could be really, really, really good.
0: good. Really. really good.
1: I'm out.
2: Indiana is hiring Mike Woodson to be its next head coach. He played at Indiana. He's been a Knicks assistant coach this year. Uh, and they're also bringing Fad Mata along to be the associate AD for men's basketball. So Thad Mata actually took a job. But what do you make of Mike Woodson getting hired by
0: Indiana? A little surprised. Uh... I think he's 63, but also more so than the age factor. He's never been in college as a coach, ever. He's all—he spent his entire uh, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly to trade. He's been with a ton of NBA teams. Really surprised at this. Now, I will say, and we know Thad Mata, I think he was up for this job. He, he did not pass the physical. He's had some physical issues. but So being an AD is going to be a lot less stress, I would think, than being a coach and trying to recruit. Maybe this is kind of a package deal, Tyler, where – we know you've never been a college coach there's a lot of stuff to learn in terms of recruiting so we're going to give you thad mata as kind of like you know whether we've talked about gene key Lavin, and lon with kevin Kruger, a guy who's been there and done all that that can help him navigate this has to be why they hired mata because mike woodson's never been a college coach and you know just passing the ncaa test i mean guys go in and they've never had to deal with you know the rules and what the you know the, the you know what you can and can't do so i guess it's a package deal i was a little surprised i know he played there I was just a little surprised they went uh, for the Mike Woodson group.
2: I think it puts into perspective where Indiana is as a program right now. Like, Mike Woodson is by no means a home run hire. Mike Woodson no. is by no means a hire that you look at and say, yeah, that's what we expect the no. Blue Blood program to go and make, a guy who's never coached in college basketball before. And I think it puts into perspective where Indiana is. This this is what they got. And And sure, he used to play there, but this is what they got. This is not a like mo- this is not one of the most wanted jobs in college basketball because you ended up with Mike Woodson as your head coach. Oh. He might work out, uh, but it's probably unlikely that a guy who's never coached at college works out at the level that Indiana's expecting him to work out to. So I'd be surprised if it does work out well for Indiana, but I think it puts it just tells you where's Indiana's a program. Oh, they hired Mike Woodson as their head coach.
0: I mean, and, and no one even knows if this guy was even the slightest bit interested, I guess, because we see all these lists with jobs. But, per, but you know, uh, perception-wise, if you're that fan base and you get caught up in stuff of like that, when you start the list with Brad Stevens and you end up with Thad Mata as an AD and Mike Wood coach, I know you probably love Woodson as a player when he played there, but that's not even in the same realm in terms of college coaching, so... I don't know what the fan base thinks. A lot of fans, like you were talking before on the show, the old timers looking back, we were never been as good as that time. Maybe they'll get all excited about that. I thought this was a very weird hire uh, for Indiana. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit.
3: <laughs> Trevor Bauer
2: gave up three earned runs in five of the third innings against the Indians. Cesar Hernandez took him deep. Bauer has a 4-2-4 ERA this spring. How worried are you, Ed?
0: I am more worried about Kershaw's 10 ERA this spring. (laughs) I'm more worried about that than I am Trevor Bauer. Uh, You know, I agree with Buster Only Let's not worry about the spin rate. Bauer can do a few things with the ball, and I think he'll be fine. Uh, So, I don't know. You know what? Here's the thing. The Royals are always first place in the spring. The Mariners always start off the first three weeks of the season, oh, they're back. So I don't know how much, you know, I mean, the Padres were a 500 team this spring. I don't know how much I put into any of that.
2: We're not talking about records, Ed. We're talking about (laughs) Trevor Bauer having an (laughs) ERA over four against spring training bums. Uh,
0: Trying a lot of stuff. They try a lot of
2: stuff. What, pitching with his eyes open this time? Yes, Trying that.
0: spring training. They try a lot of different things, work on some stuff. So, uh. I won't overreact until they're 0-1, and and then, uh, obviously, the next day is not going to be good.
3: Next question.
2: LaMarcus Aldridge has signed with the Nets.
0: Is he any good? You think he's any good? I I was talking to my son about this over the weekend. He's either good, and they're going to crush people, or they're like, okay, we're taking everybody so no one else gets any of these guys, and they might be good again. Like, I don't even know how many people still on their team. They have, like, 17 people now dressing each night everybody you know you know Blake Griffin whoever they're trying to grab so I don't know if any of these guys are any good and let me say this if Durant and 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 Harden these guys are are all healthy in the playoffs I don't know if it matters if any of these dudes are any good because I probably think they're gonna win the east right that that's the main
2: point here for the Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin they are role players yeah and like we're I mean You throw in the big three that Brooklyn has. I'd even put Joe Harris in there as their best shooter. Well, Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant's better shooter, but but like they have a top four. Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge are battling to be like the fifth best player on that team. So their role, like like LaMarcus Aldridge this year, is averaging thirteen points. Right? He's 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 got. I think he has his worst field goal percentage in like a decade or something like that in the NBA. Like he's not been good, but he's going to be asked to take like five shots a game like that's gonna be his role and play some defense on like Joel Embiid or something like that that's gonna be his role and if that's all you're asking out of him then he's probably gonna be just fine at that but I I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin I don't think either one we're not looking back at this season saying the Nets won the title because LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin did something No, it's gonna be because James Harden Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant led them to a title, and LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin had some dunks when their guys double-teamed off of them. Right. Which, by the way, did you see the report that the Heat thought they were going to sign him?
0: I think I did, and I was not happy that it didn't go there in terms of uh, what he could have done with uh, that kind of coach. Uh,
2: This is from Barry Jackson. Uh, The Heat expected LaMarcus Aldridge to sign with them. But he was convinced to join Brooklyn because they are in a good position to compete for a
0: championship. The Heat can't compete for a championship with their Hall of Fame coach. It's difficult the way the uh, the way Brooklyn's adding people. Uh, it's going to be difficult for uh, Es to get it done. But uh, always have faith. He always surprises you in the postseason. Uh,
3: yeah, I was going to say, let's just wait till the playoffs when uh, Eric yeah, Spoelstra suddenly. Coach. Yeah, he's a playoff coach. All he does is yeah. go to finals. Yes, all he does is win
0: in
3: the playoffs. Hey, that's what they said about Michael Jordan. Either eliminated in the first round or goes to the finals.
2: (laughs) Man, you know, that's a great question. Might have the same exact conversation that we just had, but Andre Drummond is signing with the Lakers. He was bought out by the Pistons. I kind of feel like it's the same thing. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot. He's a role player, catch and dunk and play some defense.
0: I think he's yeah. going to have a bigger impact, and that's not saying much because I'm totally with you on on uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. But you know they haven't had great play with play with people like Gasol and Harrell, so maybe he gives them a little more. You're right though. I mean, if look if LeBron and Anthony Davis are fine, then they're going to be the favorites in in the West. But he might give them a little more uh, given the position he plays, and uh, you know what they need physicality than uh, than LaMarcus. But you're right. It's the same thing. If you tell me who's going to help the team better, it's got to be Drummond, right? He's going to help them more than LaMarcus Aldridge is going to help Brooklyn.
2: I mean, Drummond's
0: one of the least efficient
2: players in the league. So if they're asking him to score, no. But if they're asking him to play defense, yeah. And, like, he might fill that role. But, man, if he starts thinking, I need to get a couple post-ups here, then I think he might hurt the Lakers more than else. And I will say – The spacing here, I am curious to see what they do when they have Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Andre Drummond on the floor together because you might not have the greatest spacing with your
0: two best players wanting to score inside and Andre Drummond just sort of hanging out there. All right, here's your chance to win. He's not going to score if the the best player on the team tells him not to score. (laughs) Here's your chance to win a two-foot sub from Porta Sub.
2: 702-364-1100. Is the number caller number five right now at 702 364 1100 will win a two foot sub from four to sub 702 364
0: 1100? We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN
3: Las Vegas studios.
2: Up at 8.30, Ryan Wallace will join us as we'll jump back into the Golden Knights. But now, we're looking at UNLV basketball. In its offseason, they've lost six players into the transfer portal. Caleb Grill, the only starter that's in the portal. Devin Tillis, really the only other rotational player. The other four back into the roster. I'm curious, how many more do you expect to go into the portal, Ed?
0: This is... Been the interesting part because they kind of trickled in you know one after the other day I mean look I think everyone's waiting for Hamilton and Jenkins to make decisions right the ones that have been in maybe Caleb grill you thought would you know they'd convince him and maybe they didn't like to maybe they wanted to move on as well The other thing we don't know about how these conversations but I think we can kind of guess on a lot of these conversations he had with them um but I, everyone's waiting for Jenkins and, and 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 Bryce Hamilton what will they do so if they both go in, I think then it's a really hard look at what he's going to do and get into his own portal and recruit. If they both come back, then it's a little more clear in terms of what he probably thinks he needs. But um, I would, you know, look, I'll ask you, obviously, the two in there that were, you know, I don't want to say the others were interesting, but kind of like said, OK, they played some, which was Caleb Gill Gil and uh, Devin Tillis.
2: Yeah, those two. I mean, um- they they hurt a little bit, not to the like like they're both replaceable. You can yes. find that level of player in the transfer portal. Like Devin Tillis is a is a backup, you know, forward. He's didn't have a lot of athleticism, but they loved how smart he was as a freshman. Like you can replace Devin Tillis. Caleb grows a little bit harder because he was, you know, the best defensive player on the team last year, a perimeter defensive player and he could shoot and so that might be a little bit more difficult to find but they're both replaceable you want them on the team but you can find those guys uh in the transfer portal the rest of them not too big of a deal those are bottom of the roster sort of fill it out you can do much better there i I, you're waiting on hamilton and jenkins those are the two big ones i would guess that unlv loses at least one if not both of them in the transfer portal though i will say i mean the longer it goes without their names in the portal, the, the more likely it is they stay at UNLV. I mean, if well, you're if you're Bryce Hamilton, cuz here's the thing. Once you put your name in the transfer portal, you can still come back. There there's nothing that that prevents you from coming back. I mean, the school the school has to take you back, but I assume they would. Like, so if you're Bryce Hamilton, I don't know that there's a downside to putting your name in the transfer portal already unless you're already decided you're coming back. So I'm, I'm curious as to why, if you're David Jenkins or Bryce Hamilton, you wouldn't have put your name in the portal unless you know you're staying.
0: I don't know anything, but I'm going to give you a little um, uh, situation where you can respond. And I, I'm not saying I know anything in the back end or whatever. If you're Bryce Hamilton and you're from L.A. and you've got two teams in the Elite Eight that are still in it and you've got ties, specific ties, to one of those schools, are you just waiting till their season's in to see what their interest might be?
3: Yeah, yeah, you can still put your
2: name in and wait for him. But, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe he's sitting there saying, yeah, if I transfer, I want to go to USC or something, and USC keeps winning, so he's got to wait until Gonzaga beats him by 20. But <laughs> uh, maybe. But, I mean, you can still put your name in. Like, yeah. guys put their names in during the season, and, and schools yeah. reach out to them. So that that shouldn't prevent it. And that, I, that wouldn't even prevent if, – if Bryce Hamilton's name went in the portal right now, I'm sure within – by the end of the day – we'd see reports of USC has reached out to Brian and yeah. Bryce Hamilton. Like, yeah. You can that's still do it even though you got an NCAA tournament game yeah. coming up.
0: No, that's a that's a good point. The other thing I'll be surprised at, look, I don't think, and this is my own opinion, I don't think at this point he's an NBA player, but there's a lot of guys each year who at least put their name in for that to get evaluations back. Now, the pandemic's made it different in terms of, you know, what kind of, you know, will Chicago happen, will all these camps happen, and, you know, are you invited and all of that. The not the, I shouldn't say the worst, but I would assume he'd at least put his name in. If he's not thinking I'll put go in the portal and go to another school, I can't believe he won't at least test the waters just to get the evaluation back. I mean, that's invaluable to have GMs or whoever do the evaluation say, hey, you're not ready for this, this, and this. Now make your decision. I just don't believe he'll stand pat. I think he'll either go in the portal or he'll test the waters just to see what they say about him.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. That That is an interesting sort of timeline here of if Bryce Hamilton wants to put his name in the NBA draft, see what people say, and then if he doesn't get good news, pull out and come back to college. That timeline is interesting as far as if he were to come back and then try to transfer then. Because then you'd be talking about Bryce Hamilton looking to transfer in – may or something like that yeah. like you're looking yeah. you know maybe even as late as june depending on how that timeline works out and that's a that's a weird time i mean not that everybody's roster is going to be full but if, if bryce hamilton tries to go pro gets you know bad news and says okay i'll go back to college but i'm going to transfer wherever he wanted to go it might be full like he might not be looking yeah. at great options from there on so that that is an interesting time that could be it though like that that could be a legitimate reason as to why is because hamilton saying well my first option is to go pro now, so right. I I am curious to see what Bryce Hamilton does, yeah. and throw, hey. throw David Jenkins in there too, because those are the ones that you would assume if they put their name in the portal, they would get you know immediate interest from bigger schools. Whereas you know, you see Caleb Grill go in there, and you know he might end up at Iowa State with Otzelberger, but nobody's throwing themselves over Caleb Grill. Hell, Isaac Lindsay's one of the guys that UNLV lost to the portal. He's already going back to Wisconsin. And he's going to play for Wisconsin, which sounds nice, but he's going to be a walk-on at Wisconsin. Yeah. So, like the rest I mean, of the guys, the rest of the guys know, UNLV, any of them that put their name in the portal, you're probably not getting other school great schools coming in with big offers other than Hamilton and Jenkins.
0: Well, I mean, some of these guys could take, and there's nothing wrong with it. He had a fine season, the Trey Woodbury route, and go to a Utah Valley or somewhere like that. That's probably most where most are headed, that level. But we'll also say this. He's obviously had meetings with each of these players because these guys are on the portal. I would think one of his first two meetings were with those two kids, Hamilton and Jenkins. We don't know enough, so for all we know, they're fine and they're coming back, and he has sold them on not only their roles, but what he believes he can get in the portal in terms of a point guard or what they believe they need as players to, you know, for the team to take a step forward. So if Kevin Kruger's a great salesman, this already might be done. That's the other thing. We just don't know. They might have said, hey, we're good. And you go in the portal and get this and this, and we'll be much better. So, But I, I'm with you, Tyler. Every day you kind of look for an update on those two, because that's going to that's gonna have a lot to do with what the roster's like next year.
2: Yeah, that's going to shape the offseason and more than likely be a big part of what next year's team looks like and how good we should expect them to be, what happens to Jenkins and what happens to Hamilton and who else they bring in. All right, coming up next, we will jump back into the Golden Knights with Ryan
3: Wallace. He sh his pants. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour.
0: This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on
1: Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out.
2: Oh, Ryan, how are you this morning?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you?
0: Oh, hey, we're
2: good. Um, were you one of the doubters of the Golden a Knights Eat the
0: Boar reference? Come on. Are you doubting?
1: No. No, I, I think I've been very, uh, very even keel. I, I've been very understanding that when you play good teams, you don't always beat good teams. Like that—that's a thing that happens. It's okay.
2: Unfortunately, the Golden Knights only play like one good team the entire season.
1: That's not true. Minnesota's good. Uh, St. Louis. <laughs> I'm not committed to St. Louis being good right now, but Minnesota's good and Colorado's good. So it's not the Golden Knights' fault that they only have two good teams in the division be, beside themselves. Like, it's not their fault.
2: I mean, it's not their fault, but it, you know, makes it a little less fun of a regular season when they only get to play a couple of good teams.
1: That's a fair point. You're absolutely right there.
2: So, okay, what, what do you make of the matchup against Colorado? Because it, it's kind of happened twice where they've played a series. They kind of look like early in the series, oh, God, Colorado's much better than this team, but they win the last game of the series, and it's like, yeah, everything's fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that when Colorado plays kind of to their game plan and the Golden Knights abandon theirs, then the Colorado Avalanche talent really does shine through. Now, the one thing I will say for the Golden Knights is, if you look at the job that they've done on Nathan McKinnon throughout these six games, it's been very, very good. Nathan McKinnon has not been the main story for the Colorado Avalanche. So you like the way that Vegas is able to defend McKinnon, What you don't like is that keeping McKinnon in check has you, even in the series, three wins apiece because (laughs) the the assumption is that you're not going to be able to keep him in check forever. And I think the biggest thing that we're learning about the Colorado Avalanche is they don't need Nathan McKinnon to be Nathan McKinnon to win games. They're very deep. They're very good, especially at the bottom of their lineup, their bottom six. And that should be cause for concern in the seven-game series as it would be with any other good team. It
0: is, I mean, it, it was stark difference, and they talked about it after each game. But let's say they go best to seven. I know this is simplistic, but is it just simplistic enough to say in terms of the transition rushes, what Stone talked about after the first loss? Is it just that? Like, when you watch those two games, like, if you do this, you'll be fine. And if you do that, you're never going to have a chance against them.
1: Yeah, I mean if you if you turn pucks over at the blue lines, your offensive blue line, the defensive blue line against Colorado, they're gonna turn it into offense. They're just too dynamic. They they have too many playmakers, they're too skilled, too fast. But I mean, if the Golden Knights do what they did in you know in the game on Saturday, if they're able to get Pucks behind the defense, if they're able to lean on them in the offensive zone, then that evens the playing field. There's a way that the Golden Knights have to play against the colorado avalanche you can't trade chances you can't try to win on the rush you have to have pucks in the zone and you've got to work for essentially half court offense and the golden knights struggled with that in the playoffs last year in the bubble against dallas and they're gonna have to find ways to make sure that they don't struggle with it if they play colorado in a seven game series
2: pete DeBoer deciding to use mark-andre Fleury in back-to-back games against colorado Do you think that's a peek into his playoff plan?
1: I mean, it should be. Like, we should be taking all of these things and trying to learn something. And for me, it's it's less so about starting Marc-Andre Fleury and more so about what Pete said after the game, in which he says Marc-Andre Fleury has carried us this season and he deserved to start the two most important games of the year. That leads you to believe that if the playoffs were to start today, Marc-Andre Fleury would be... The the main guy, he would be the one that gets the majority of starts. Robin Leonard would serve as the backup. There's a lot of time between now and the playoffs, so that can change. But I think right now it gives you a glimpse into Mark Andre Fleury being the one, and Robin Leonard being the one B.
2: So if Fleury yeah, was- is is the one between now and the end of regular season, like how much would the difference have to be between Leonard and Fleury for that to flip by the time we get to the playoffs?
1: I mean, you know, all it takes is one guy to go on a losing streak and one guy to go on a heater, right? Like if if Robin Leonard goes in and wins every single one of his games and Marc-Andre Fleury has a couple of games in which he's not necessarily playing to the standard he's set so far this season, that can change things. It it really is just about the, the coach having a feel for which guy is going. And then once you get to the playoffs, which guy is going to be able to propel you forward. And I think you you have both guys, and both guys are certainly capable of, of doing that, but I I don't think that there's a, a need right now to worry too much about which guy is going to start in the playoffs. I think that will resolve itself by the time that comes around.
0: You know, and I don't know if this has anything to do with I thought when he, when he let him out the other day, um, and then he said deserve it afterwards, I thought it meant more, look, he didn't look good the other night. He's good. Well, we have to – give him a chance to kind of, I mean, he's not at the career with his point of redeem himself, but they felt it was, you know, it was it was proper to give him the start after the loss for how he's played more than a long-term thing. Do you think that went into it all? Like, he didn't look good the other night, and he's been our guy, so let's just don't let, don't sit him right after that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's kind of an element to that, but I would argue that it wasn't necessarily Marc-Andre Fleury that looked particularly bad in that game. I think it was mm-hmm. the Golden Knights defense and really allowing – so many odd man rushes. I mean, when you when you factor in that Colorado had, I think, at least three breakaways with their defensemen, that right. usually is an indicator that you're not playing particularly strong in front of Marc Andre Fleury. Um, I mean, I, I think there's maybe an element to that. You want him to be to be to feel good about his game. Uh, but right. it's also a missed opportunity right now for the Golden Knights to get the information of how would Robin Leonard match up against Colorado. We right. know how Marc-Andre Fleury matches up. We know what his style brings to the table in terms of how Colorado plays. We've yet to see Robin Leonard in that spot this season to, mm-hmm. to get those those data points to figure out who would kind of give you the edge in a seven-game series.
2: When does Cody Glass play again? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, 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 I say that starkly, but I, I really, I don't know, because right now, like, it doesn't seem like there's a spot for Cody Glass. Now, I mean, it really depends on if you're changing your philosophy on what you think your fourth line should be. And I would argue, I would make the argument that I'd rather have Cody Glass centering the fourth line and playing on the power play than not playing at all. Because I think that there's room for Cody to grow in that role. There's room to get more out of your fourth line if that's the way that you do it. And he can help you on the power play. All of his goals have come on the power play. And the power play, though it's scored recently, has not been liked out. So I feel like there's an avenue for him to get back into the lineup. Uh, the question is whether or not you want to have him in that, that much of a depth role and a specialist on special teams. Uh,
0: continue to be talked about, and they, they perhaps were their best line the other day, but not over the long term of the season. Uh, no salary cap room. I think we've asked you, but because of the other day, do they give this a few more games and see how the fourth line performs? Or do you think in the back of their minds they're saying we've got to make a move and how do we do that and and you know, to circumvent the cap and, and make a move for more depth?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, kind of the natural things are to look around um, the lineup right now and who is or isn't playing. Like you've got Nick Holden, who I, I suppose you can move out. Um, It makes you a little bit thinner on defense, but you could move out to try to bring in another piece. And it's not like it's taking something away from your lineup right now. As far as the trade deadline goes, everything that we've heard from the organization has essentially been that, that they're not going to do much at the trade deadline. Now you've got LA two games this, this week, and then you've got Minnesota two games this week. And I would make the argument that depending on how those Minnesota games go, and, and how the Golden Knights look and whether or not you get the type of depth contributions that you're looking for from that fourth line. And then if you feel confident that that can continue or carry you through in the playoffs, then maybe, maybe the Golden Knights hold Pat. I don't know that it's going to be anything uh, massive or, or you know really, really crazy or out there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do just a little bit of tweaking of this lineup as you get closer and closer to the trade deadline.
2: So on the idea of the trade deadline and needing to add pieces and the fact that we don't get to see the Golden Knights play anybody outside of the West, I'll ask you this. How, how confident are you that the Golden Knights are one of the four or five best teams in hockey, even though you haven't gotten to see them play most of the league?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they are, right? Like, I, I think Tampa is certainly one of them. The Washington Capitals, the New York Islanders are kind of right there. Um, I don't know that I necessarily buy Toronto or Edmonton. I think that they're, they're the best of a division that is kind of all over the place in terms of, of the North. And then I would put Colorado and, and Vegas right there. I don't think Minnesota's there. Like, I think they're just kind of below that, that top tier. but yeah, I mean, I have a hard time saying that the golden Knights aren't one of the top five teams in the league, but the, the difference between being top 5 and being the best is is really really difficult when there are when when two of the top 5 teams play in the same division you've got to go through one another to get to the Stanley Cup so um, i mean i think that they're really really good and i also think that tampa's really really good and i think colorado is really really good those are kind of my top 3 teams right now if I, if i was looking at it and and really making a conscious effort to say that's who I think is going to be around at the end. So
0: if you take Tampa out of it, and I know that's silly, but if you take them out of it because I know you watch all the teams, is there one of the teams, a handful of the others that you mentioned that you're like, uh, that might not be good
1: because of the matchup? Well, I mean, I think, again, like the the natural inclination is to just look within the division. The Colorado Avalanche are – have everything that you need to win a Stanley cup. You can make the argument that they don't have goaltending because you haven't seen this level from Philip Grubauer in the playoffs. And he's, he's had some injury issues, but I'll tell you right now, if Philip Grubauer holds up and he's not injured, or if Joe Sackick makes a deal at the deadline to bring in a goaltender that can be serviceable, should there be any issues with Grubauer? Then I look at the Colorado avalanche in the same way that I look at the Tampa Bay lightning. They're a really deep, very good team that doesn't have many holes. Uh, you can't take Tampa out of it. Tampa is the scariest team in the NHL right now because they're doing everything that they're doing right now without Nikita Kucherov, and when the playoffs roll around, they'll get him back.
2: Jared, talk. Jared, so you got one a question. Yes, you Jared. normally
3: say "Go after this" or something. We don't. Go really Jared. Have, all right, fine. Go, Jared. So. You told us who's really, really good. Who is the, what teams, can you give us some teams that are like the equivalent of the poop emoji?
1: I mean, y- you should know this. Like, I think the he Buffalo does. Sabres haven't won a game in 17 tries. Like, it's been pretty bad in Buffalo. Like That's incredible, like Buffalo, isn't it? Buff- Buffalo is worse than Ottawa, <laughs> which is very, very difficult to do. And, and by extension, The Ottawa Senators are not the worst team in Canada. Though they are statistically the worst team in Canada, that belongs to the Calgary Flames, who have lost two straight to Ottawa and can't seem to figure it out under Daryl Sutter.
2: Are you surprised Buffalo is the poop emoji after signing Cody Eakin (laughs) this
1: offseason? No comment there.
2: Well, he is Ryan. Well, hold on, wait wait, wait, wait,
3: wait, wait, okay. wait. Is it? Can we? Can we as a show and Ryan, you can you can stay with your no comment. Just sort of make a like you know you can make glottal noises. But oh, hold, hold on. Ask me the question again. The it Which the, part? The, yeah the Cody Eakin. Oh,
2: are yeah, yeah, you surprised? Yeah, yeah. Go Go okay, ahead, are you surprised that the Sabers are uh, the worst team in hockey after signing Cody Eakin in the off season?
1: No comment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right that'll work that'll thanks ryan thanks ryan Take <laughs> Thank care, brother. did you oh,
0: did you got he mentioned sutter did you guys see daryl sutter when he asked about uh johnny Gaudreau playing his 500th game
2: yes and he said i hope he has more energy than he did how
0: in about but how'd you and i know daryl said i know they're not very good but how'd you like to cover that guy on a daily basis what a sourpuss well, how'd you like to be johnny gaudreau and hey about to play the that- 500th game well <laughs> thanks for checking in step
2: the hell up because you didn't play very well last <laughs> Jesus. night unbelievable thanks coach wow thanks for helping me out there yeah, all right exactly. thanks it. for the quote <laughs> we need a new sharp loyola chicago did not come through for our last sharp 702-364-1100 is the phone number this is your chance to go on a winning streak with your picks 702-364-1100, 702-364-1100.
0: It's time to find the Sharp, brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds.
2: Our new Sharp is Oscar. Oscar, how are you doing today? What pick would hey, you Oscar, like to make?
1: I'm gonna go ahead and take the Beavers go with the Oregon State.
2: Okay, Oregon State, right. let's find them here. You are getting eight points, so we'll make it eight and a half. Oregon State plus eight and a half against Houston tonight. Good luck, Oscar. You get that, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow.
1: Oscar, take care, guys. Take All care, Oscar.
2: Right. so Oregon State plus eight and a half against Houston tonight. By the way, Cofield and company today, if you're trying to listen to that, they're on from 12 to 4. They're moved up a couple of hours today. We're carrying the NCAA tournament games tonight uh, starting at 4.15. So Cofield and Company is on from 12 to 4 today Mm. to lead you right into the NCAA tournament. So you can still get four hours of Cofield. I don't know why anybody would want that. It's just a little bit earlier in
0: the day. Well, Um, can we wait wait two more days? Because let's wait for the day to run from 7 to 4 and you and I can sleep in. (laughs) So if we wait two more days, I think they'll be on from 7 to 4, and then you and I will just sleep all day like it's the weekend.
2: I will. I will take that once what? a week. Cofield <laughs> on for twelve hours, seven While everybody else, gets I the believe,
3: day off. I believe the bus sign says he's on from say. seven to six Jared. p.m.
0: Jared, bright minds think alike. I was just going to talk about that bus sign, and you know the and you know the times won't be correct. I'm. We're still the press box is still on from four to eight p.m. I saw it the other day. <laughs> oh, it's good. That's a good time.
2: Don't don't believe bus signs. Is all, no, all we have please. to say around here. Um. <laughs>
0: Ed, do you know how big of a disappointment U.S. soccer is to
2: this oh country? Oh, my
3: God. Well,
0: I can only go by our good friend Mark Ziegler, who bugged me with a tweet yesterday. He said, the U.S. played Honduras for a spot in the Tokyo Olympics. The impoverished nation of $10 million is going for a fourth time. The wealthy nation of $300 million is not going for a third straight time. So my guess is the loss to Honduras was not good.
2: Uh, we, yes, did not make the Olympics. Lost to Honduras yesterday in a... <laughs> they, a winner goes to the Olympics, loser doesn't go oh, to the Olympics right. uh, game. Uh, lost 2-1. to one. The uh, game-winning goal for Honduras was scored when the American goalkeeper, uh, trying to pass it to his teammate, uh, kicked it off of one of Honduras' players and it deflected into the net. Uh, excellent <laughs> goal to allow. That was ultimately the losing goal. Um, but now what what's incredible is the way the United States treated the Olympics because – the Olympics is it's under twenty three. You don't right. it's not your it's right. not your main national team that goes to the Olympics. It's under twenty threes for the Olympics. So this is not the, the actual national team actually played a friendly yesterday and beat Northern Ireland. But a,
3: a country the, with the population of Idaho.
2: <laughs> hey, it's the first time the US has beaten a European team in Europe since two thousand fifteen. Massive yes, win. That would but, be like
3: Texas beating Idaho <laughs> in football.
2: Exactly. Nailed it. So, But the problem for the U.S. in the Olympics is, A, a lot of our best under-23 guys are actually on the national team that played against Northern Ireland yesterday. So this isn't our best 23-year-olds. But it wasn't even like our second best group of under-23-year-olds. Those guys weren't in this either. This was like the third tier of under-23-year-olds. And even worse than that, in the last year, the under-23s played two games together before this tournament to qualify... For the Olympics and the comparison is to Mexico's under 23s they've played like 25 games in that stretch like our 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 United States soccer just like doesn't care about the under 23 team even though that's the team that has to win a tournament to go to the Olympics oh, man. and we haven't done it since 2008
3: so there were guys well, on the pitch that literally were like Dave I was yelling your name my name's not Dave
2: yeah probably that's probably what happened now Honduras is probably the same way the team we lost to because Honduras' team was like guys that aren't even USL level players is who won for Honduras yesterday. So like, it's not like Honduras is good. Like we should still have beaten Honduras yesterday, but the the way our soccer federation treats the U23 team and the Olympic qualifications is exactly why we haven't qualified for Olympics since 2008 in men's soccer.
0: Let's just put it this way. If this guy was living in a smaller country who actually likes soccer, that goalie wouldn't be getting home today. Uh, Here, they put the kid on a Southwest and say, see you, Jimmy, at practice next week. Because he's like the 17th best goalie in the country. Yes.
2: yes, And he's the one that's trying to get us the Olympics. Probably exactly. not even the seventh scene.
3: Is this like a weird version of kids today or too soft? Back in my day, a dictator would have killed you. <laughs>
0: That's exactly. Back in my day, you wouldn't have gotten home. And by the way, Jordan's better than LeBron.
2: That's right. Jordan's better than LeBron, 1990 UNLV's better than Gonzaga, (laughs) and if you screw up in an international soccer game, you might lose (laughs) your head. You might lose, you
0: might be beheaded.
2: Unless you're a Brazilian soccer soccer referee, then you will be beheaded. Oh, absolutely. Sports (laughs) were better in the 90s.